Hey, this is Burke, and I'm tired. I know this isn't the normal intro stuff for my podcast, but it's been a week. So, along with there might be depictions of graphic violence or harsh language, you're really going to hear it in my voice this week. Sorry, it just, it was a lot. But to make things a little easier for this episode, we're going to have it be a world-building episode because I need an easier episode today. Like, I just do. Like, I'm just worn out. I've had the crap kicked out of me all week. I'm actually recording this on Saturday, Saturday evening, that is. I just haven't had time, and I had different plans today that got canceled, but I'm gonna go see them tomorrow, so it works out. My coworkers have called out of work almost every day this week, and we've already been a skeleton crew as it is, so I just have been having to pick up the slack for multiple people, and it's been rough. But with that all out of the way, let's build some worlds. But for this first one, I don't think I'm going to necessarily build a world. Let's go ahead and build a subzone for your campaign. Now, a subzone, kind of view it as like a section of your world that you might want to do more in-depth storytelling in. So let's say Sahara Desert. We'll use that for example. Let's say you wanted to build a subsection of the Sahara Desert, which had, I don't know, some crazy stuff in there that doesn't normally exist. Let's say you have like a world that is based off of our own. And let's say that there's some subterranean snake people that live underneath the sands of the Sahara. Maybe there's access to water and there's a cave system or something. That's what a subzone is. Now we build subzones to kind of flush out different parts of the world. Like for instance, when I make maps, I actually do a lot of local maps, but if I want to do more storytelling, I will do a subzone of a local map. Now this subzone can be whatever distance you want it to be. It could be a 50 mile radius, but let's say it required itself its own map. So you could do better storytelling and it's more in depth and more detailed than let's say like a big map. Like think of an atlas. Now an atlas isn't going to show every little detail, like the big road atlases. Like if you look at one of like the United States, it's not going to show every little detail. Now where you get that is you go to the different sections of the atlas. So like you look at, let's say Montana, you know, you're going to, when you bring up Montana, it'll have Okay, there's more different stuff. And then you'll, and then when you say you pick, I don't know, Billings or someplace like that, the map of Billings will have even more detail upon that. Hopefully that makes a lot more sense. Okay, since we already kind of talked about a desert, let's start with building a desert. Let's call this section the Golden Dunes. Why not? It's easy to remember. And frankly, when you get to design zones, you should also not make them too crazy named. Like if you look at our world, I mean, we have an episode with the naming things episode. Simple names actually go a long way. So while designing this golden dunes, what are we wanting to do to make this stand out? Okay, let's start with stuff for the region. Let's make these different rock structures. Let's make it have painted mountains. Let's go ahead and have there be large insect mounds that look like spires. Let's go ahead and add some traveling nomads while we're at it. And let's just say there's very little water. Maybe some cave systems. We already talked about cave systems, so why don't we add some cave systems while we're at it? So with that, we have a couple different things that to kind of design the region around. We've also kind of designed enemies in the area. Let's say the insects are a problem in this region because these giant towering spires have these gigantic insects. And let's say we have these nomadic travelers. Maybe they're different races. Let's keep it with different races. But they put their tents up at night when they travel. And let's say they have these carts that carry everything with them. Let's say maybe they're even being pulled by some of these giant insects. Or maybe they have a relationship with the giant insects. That keeps that little bit 
little bit more interesting, especially like when your party tries to interact with them. Maybe they have like a salve or some pheromones they put on to be invisible to the giant insects in the region. And while we're on the subject of these nomads, maybe they're using these cave systems to access the water because maybe they are following the water because that would make a lot of sense if these nomadic tribes were following the water. Now that we have that built, let's build some different sections of this region. So let's call the caves the Caves of Whispering Sands. Let's say the caves are etched into the sides of these towering dunes and have spiral patterns that tell the ancient history of the land. And inside these caves, there's luminescent crystals that cast ethereal glows, revealing forgotten murals, depicting a civilization that was once lost to time. And let's say these caves are haunted with strange echoes whispering the desert secrets or giving warnings to those who dare to explore them. See, that's a lot of fun there. From there, let's build the spires. Let's call the spires the Spire of the Sun Guardians. It's easy, it rolls off the tongue. The tallest of the cone spires is home to a revered group of nomads known as the Sun Guardians. They have formed a symbiotic relationship with the colossal insects, using their silk and shells for crafting and trading to the other tribes, as well as providing pheromones of the recently deceased insects. The nomadic tribes often make their pilgrimage to this site for a multitude of different reasons. Let's talk about the nomadic caravans. The nomadic tribes are skilled desert navigators, and they use these wind-worn maps along with these crystal markers to navigate the shifting sands. Each caravan has a mobile community, adorned with their vibrant textiles and shimmering ornaments that tell their journeys of past years and even further past. It's how they keep their heritage. It's how they tell the stories of their ancestors. These maps that the nomads carry show the locations of the hidden oasises and guides them through the seasons to make sure they can always have water. Well, while we're on the subject of water, let's build the Oasis Mirage Wells. The rumored oasis known as the Mirage Wells appear and disappear as mysteriously as they've come, but it's always in the distance. Some say it's magic that keeps the oasis from moving. Others say it doesn't exist at all. Its waters are said to possess magical properties, and its location is only known by the nomads themselves, and only shared with those who've undergone the rites of the sands. Okay, let's talk about the, the, the rites of the sands. This region has very unpredictable sandstorms, and they occasionally sweep across the desert. The nomads say that these sandstorms look like serpents, these magical writhing creatures that are just made of sand and storm. Surviving these sandstorms is a rite of passage for those who want to seek acceptance to the nomadic tribes. Okay, let's add some more stuff. So let's add the Whispering Sands Market. In the heart of this desert resides this busy marketplace where the nomads converge and trade their goods and stories and artifacts from their travels. The market is so colorful with the different textiles and the different stalls where exotic spices and rare gemstones as well as the insect parts themselves are bartered. All right, I feel like we've built enough for this zone. It's easy to get caught up in this. Remember, this is only like a small region of the desert. Let's say this is a hundred mile radius area. Like 
when you're traveling on foot or cart or something, that's a big area. It might not seem that large with like when you look at things in the larger scale, but there is a lot of landmass when you do that. Okay, let's build something similar for sci-fi setting. For this one, let's build a opulent city that's next to the ocean. Okay, let's call this one Azure Haven. Eh, it's right next to the water, so the blue, yeah, makes sense. We'll call it Azure Haven. For this one, what are we trying to do? Let's make it a very opulent town. Let's say that only the wealthiest people live here. Let's say they have a workforce that's entirely sentient machines. Let's say there's a bunch of yachts, there's a luxury spaceport. You kind of get what I'm going at. It would be a little boring if I just did that though. So let's say this area is protected by mechs. And let's say there's raiders and rogue AIs that threaten this area. Okay, so now that we've kind of built that, all right, let's start with what does the city have to offer? You know what? Let's steal some stuff from Las Vegas. It's got a holographic entertainment dome and people far and wide come to watch these holographic performances. And let's say it has a wide range of entertainment. Let's say we have interstellar operas and cutting edge virtual reality experiences that draw the audience in to help entertain the masses. And it attracts people from all corners of the galaxy. And since we're kind of going that way, let's say there's giant corporate mega structures where only the wealthiest companies can come and set up shop. Think these giant mega towers with these mirrored like finishes on the outside that reflect the light into the ocean. And let's say on top of one of these towers is a gigantic observatory that only the wealthiest people can have the most unparalleled view of the cosmos. Let's say they call themselves the Astral Society society and they gather here for their exclusive stargazing parties and discuss the future space exploration. A place like this needs a school. So let's build the Quantum Elegance Institute. Now, what does the school actually produce? Let's just say it's the most prestigious academy that educates the elite on the trends of fashion, art, and culture. These graduates are sought after by trendsetters and influencers across the galaxy, making the institute a hub for creativity and innovation. God, I feel like I'm a, like I'm an infomercial right now. Let's give this place some hanging gardens that change color and shape as response to the thoughts of the emotions of the visitors to make each individual's experience different every time they visit. Okay, let's build the shadow exchange. Let's say it's a hidden away marketplace hidden in the depths of the city itself, where the powerful engage in the discreet transactions that aren't necessarily legal. But rumors persist about the rare artifacts and forbidden technologies, and even political alliances that are brokered in these dimly lit corridors of this secret marketplace. Okay, now that's for the main part of the city. But let's talk about the section that the players are probably going to have to deal with the most. Let's go ahead and call these mechs that they are using to protect this city. We'll call them the Wardens. Let's call their organization the Wardens. You know what? While we're at it, let's go ahead and name this world while we're at it. We'll call this one Sephirium Prime. So in the cities, let's say there are these Warden Academies. They're elite training academies scattered across the major cities on this world. And the Wardens are skilled pilots chosen for their exceptional combat abilities and strategic minds. The potential wardens go through rigorous simulations and they master the art of piloting these mechs. These mechs are called 
the Seraph Sentinels. Okay, let's get into the Seraph Sentinels. These are state-of-the-art, mechs equipped with advanced weaponry, energy shields, and adapted camouflage. Each Sentinel is uniquely customized to its warden and its combat and their combat style, featuring specialized modules for diverse tactical situations. Eh, while we're at it, let's build a Warden Council. The governing body is composed of the most experienced wardens. The Warden Council oversees strategic deployment and coordinates defending the city. The Council's decisions are crucial in responding to the rogue AI threats and organizing counter raids against the raiders and also managing the resources to maintain the Sentinel fleet. Okay, friends, I think I built enough fun stuff for tonight. The second one is something I'm actually kind of building on the side. That's why I had a lot of it already built out. I've been looking at building a Lancer RPG game for the near future, and this is kind of the world I've been designing for it. I don't know when we're going to play it, but maybe in the next couple years, I'll just have this ready and we'll just slit down and play some Lancer RPG, or maybe I'll get a local group and we'll play it. The bright side is I recorded this all over tonight. It's just been a long week and I'm, I'm freaking exhausted, but I still wanted to put out content for you guys and not just go, Hey, sorry dudes. I don't have it in me to record. So hopefully I'll have time to edit most of this tonight and some of it tomorrow and hopefully have it released sometime Monday. So we were talking about Talor campaign stuff. There's a good chance it's not coming back until December sometime. We're also going into the holiday season, so there's only going to be a couple more episodes I'm going to be able to do this year. I will be taking off time for the holidays. November shouldn't be a problem, though. The next episode should come out the weekend after Thanksgiving, so I should have time to record that. I have a long weekend that weekend, so weekend, 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 but <laughs> yeah, so that should be fine. It's when we get into December where it gets a little weird. I do plan on doing a holiday special. I will see if I can get somebody to help me do it. It's going to be a little different this time if I have help. The bright side is I have some local people I might be able to ask to see if they want to help me with this, so that'd be cool. If not, I might reach out to a couple of the Telor campaign people and see if they are willing to maybe help out with this. So it's not just me. I'll keep them posted if I decide to go that way. I'm going to try to get the local people to help first. That way, if we do use Dread, I can use the Jenga blocks with the, with the players and we can have like in-player reactions. So that'd be fun. And as a reminder, we have a Discord. And thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.